0: For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Namaste, yogis. I'm Andrew Seeley here to welcome you to the Yoga Revealed podcast. I believe one of the most enlightening things that you can do for yourself is immerse your mind, body, and spirit in the daily practice of yoga. Yoga is union, and when we unite, we inspire and share the light to uplift the world. Your path to awakening to the transformative power of yoga starts now.
1: You stop being the victim because you're not the center of it. There's a beautiful Buddhist story that talks about boats drifting down in the river. and If you are in a boat and someone is rowing and they just row the boat right into you, you feel like they did it on purpose and you have someone to get upset about but, uh, if you're just in the boat and you see an empty boat coming at you and that empty boat is just carried by the current of life and that crashes into your boat then who do you get angry at it's the same thing happened but there's no one that victimized you and when you start to see it that way you no longer become the victim Dylan Warner is one of the most embodied movement thought leaders
0: I've ever had the opportunity of learning from. I recently found myself involved for five days of an immersive experience with Dylan Warner that completely changed my perception on how I was breathing through practice. We dove deep into how to use the breath to optimize performance, how to structure the body to optimize balance, and how to free the mind to increase plasticity with Dylan's new method of movement called Myofascial Meridian Sequencing. In this powerful episode Dylan Warner takes us deeper into his why to paint a clear picture as to how we too can use our breath for radical transformation and consistent opening to embody powerful grace. I am so stoked to share this episode with you all today and even more excited to hear how it inspires your practice as we grow and uplift the vibration everywhere. Share this episode with someone who needs to hear it. Leave us a review to express your value, and feel free to join the community online on our IG at Yoga Revealed. Now, let's dive right in with Dylan Warner. Namaste, yogis. It's a blessing to be here for another awesome episode of the Yoga Revealed podcast, and I'm really excited because we have none other than Dylan Warner right here in the heart of Bali, and I'm super stoked, man, because we just completed your handstand training.
1: I mean, you completed it. I was just guiding you through it. I mean,
0: but I feel like it's a completion for you, too. It's four days of deep dives into handstands. Five. Five. Five, you're Five right. Five days, yeah.
1: You're right. Yeah, it, it really is a completion for me as well as, as leading it. Like, I, anytime I take on one of these intensives like this, I forget about how much energy you really need to put out there to lead. And, yeah, I feel really fortunate and, and happy. I'm, it's always a bittersweet thing when you come to the end of, uh, of a training or an intensive like that because... It's nice because the work is done, but then there's always, like, the the sadness of having to say goodbye to so many different beautiful souls. You still have attachment of
0: all people? Come on now. I, I really... I love to, like, start these off just, like, getting straight into the thick of it, especially since this is our third interview. I feel like it's been a blessing to witness not only the progress of your practice and the complete and utter evolution of your teachings, but also to witness the evolution of yoga and how it's consistently really allowing us to tap into what it means to be present. And I feel for some of our listeners who are not fully caught up to speed to who you are and why you do what you do, I'd love to hear your perspective on what yoga is today and why you consistently have a yoga practice and wish to continue to share this
1: i this is this is a really good question and one that i I'll do my best to answer i think with all things that we know everything that we understand all the words that we use we give meaning to it and those mean those meanings have some significance to us and that's how we communicate with people and words like love or fear or any other words we have a definition for them but we don't necessarily share that same definition because what's love for me might be different than what's love for you and i almost feel like we've talked about this before yeah we am thinking back about yeah but uh yoga yoga is one of those words that it means something very different to everybody that experiences it. And really, you only know what you know through experience. So if you haven't experienced yoga, you probably have a different definition of what it is. And depending on what your experience with yoga is, is going to mean something different to you. For a lot of people, yoga is doing sun salutations and warrior two, and And that might be all that it is. And there's nothing wrong with that. And I think that's the thing we need to understand is that we should all have the right to understand or accept what each other's meanings are for whatever it is, you know, and, and yoga, especially for me, yoga is the idea of connection. It's a path. It's a, it's something that we learn to be. And through that understanding really essentially that we're whole and, we're all moving to understand our uh, our part in all of this and how we are a part of all of this, and there's no separation. Yoga is this pathway that helps us understand the truth, and this is why I started getting into yoga and what I fell in love with yoga. It's a mind-body-nature connection, and I think a lot of people kind of agree with that and how you feel more connected to everything. And it's essentially the truth. You know, the first fundamental truth is everything is continuously changing, interconnected, interdependent, arising from and returning to primordial source. We all came from the stars. It was one, we started as as one explosion where wherever you want to come from, even if you believe in religion or creation, it came from one word or one sound or something. And from that oneness, it expanded when you're born you you start out as one egg and then that egg is fertilized and then that splits into a zygote and it becomes more and more and more and you grow outwards from it's not we're not parts put together and I think with this actually we could talk a lot about how we move into like my philosophy of movement and everything or just um, in biotensegrity and and all that stuff but it's we're We feel as though we are one, and I'm something like, what is it, like 30 trillion cells? We're around that 34 trillion cells that are you, and then there's around 100 trillion cells that are bacteria, Mm -hmm. which aren't you, but yet you need those to live and survive and yet you don't feel separate and one cell doesn't feel different than the other and yet we go through this world where I see one person as separate than me and I go you're different than me and so we're not the same and this is the illusion and yoga is this idea of moving past whatever this is that that we actually see things as different. And it's only because we are having a human experience in this. We're looking out through the window and we think that everything revolves around us, that we're the center of the experience and so this is what we know. But once we are able to step out, which is an impossibility, and and that's really one of the hardest things to do. You can only know, you can only understand objective truth or objective reality. You can't ever truly know it because Everything that you will ever know will happen through the subjective. And let's say there is enlightenment and you could actually move past the subjective experience to ascend past that. Who's the one that's actually realizing it, Mm. right? And so if you can move past your own subjective experience, you can't subjectively understand it Mm. because then it brings you right back. And so that puts us in this place that we will only know this as ourselves and we'll never know this as our greater self. But that's okay because it's just like if you put on a pair of blue colored glasses and you look at the world and everything is blue, as long as you know that you're wearing blue colored glasses, you understand that not everybody is seeing things as blue.
0: Mm. I feel that that's a really big point because in our meditations during the handstand training, I had you know these really deep perspectives of what I would call a deeper awareness of my presence and my presence inside of my body, so the being that resides with inside the body, um, I felt more palpable. And I would say that, you know, when you have these opportunities to tap into that isness or that being or that state of going outside of your body or going even beyond your body, then it really brings you to the understanding that we all are one. And thus, like your perspective of who you are is literally all determined by how deeply you're able to study and understand yourself. And then I feel through that study of understanding self, you are better able to relate to others. Um, And earlier tonight, you said something that really stuck out to me about how... You know a lot of people are in this uh, victim mentality and it's like you know like like oh like everyone's like trying to become better from a place of like lack but I was talking to you about like bettering yourself from a place of wholeness and and how do you feel yoga actually helps us better ourselves from a place of wholeness
1: I, I think it comes down to again when we put ourselves at at the center of everything that is going on, we feel like everything is happening to us. And if you feel like it's happening to you, if someone is rude to you, if someone attacks you, if someone steals from you, lies to you, you feel like that's directly affected towards you. And that's unfortunately not really the reality of life and and the common actions of people. People do things because of themselves they rarely ever do things because of other people and especially if you're living a good pure and beautiful life most of things that happen to you and if you feel like a victim it's because you feel like you didn't deserve it it's one thing to to go around and be a jerk to everybody and then people are mean to you back and then to be like oh you know i'm such a victim It's, it's normally not like that you understand that you deserve it but it's when you go out and you're and you're going forth and giving your best self, and people come at you in, with not their best self. When you understand that it's really not about you, then it you stop being the victim, because you're not the center of it. There's a beautiful Buddhist story that talks about boats drifting down in the river, and if you are in a boat and someone is rowing and they just row the boat right into you, you feel like they did it on purpose and you have someone to get upset about. But uh, if you're just in the boat and you see an empty boat coming at you and that empty boat is just carried by the current of life and that crashes into your boat, then who do you get angry at? It's the same thing happened, but there's no one that victimized you. And when you start to see it that way, you no longer become the victim. I think uh, especially being in Bali and Ubud, there's so many different healers, and everybody comes here because they they feel that like they're broken or they there's something wrong with them, and, and they're uh,
0: searching for something outside of themselves.
1: Searching, yeah, which that exactly that they're not whole. Uh, something I I wrote a long time ago in an Instagram post was, um, you know, yoga is a place where broken people come to understand that they're not broken. And I really believe that. As as we move through the path of understanding, which is this path of truth, seeing things as they are, you know, vipassana, this insight of what we are, we start to understand that we're not lacking anything. It's it's um it's like when, when a baby is born and they're brand new and the mother holds them in their arms for the father for the first time, that baby is completely perfect and we grow from that state of being everything and nothing changes throughout the life. We don't lose anything through our life, we only gain. And we think that these experiences that make us, that are hard or painful take away, but they only help us understand a greater reality. And life, this human experience is suffering, but suffering doesn't make make you broken. Suffering doesn't mean that you need to heal You only think you need to find yourself if you think that you're lost. But how can you be lost where you are? It's 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 like it's a crazy thing. Well, I
0: think that that's the predicament today is a lot of people are lost because they don't know where they are. They don't know, you know, their true purpose, quote unquote. They don't know where they're going or why they're going there.
1: See that that that's you said it right there. It's not that they don't know where they are. People are. People, Everybody knows where they are. The problem is, is that they don't know where they're going. And so if you live a life that you think that you need to go somewhere, which generally comes from a place thinking that your life isn't good enough as it is, and so that you need to move towards something else to be fulfilled, that your life in the future is going to be better than your life is now. But the thing is, future never happens. Some people might also think it's the past. And so they continuously live their life in the past because they feel like their past life was better than their current life. And so if you continue this life of thinking you need to go somewhere or be something or do something different, you'll never be satisfied with who you are. So you're never lost. You just think that you're not where you should be, which is an impossibility. That's That's not understanding the truth, which is you can only be where you are and you're exactly where you should be.
0: Hmm. I love that. I agree.
1: (laughs) I wanted to. I feel like we agree on uh, on most things. Yeah, and I we do we do have I think we do have some disagreements on some things, but not really disagreements.
0: Just on reincarnation. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Like like we were having dinner last night talking about reincarnation. I told you I don't have beliefs in anything. I just I have an idea. Like maybe it's like this. Maybe it's not. But really what I try to focus my energy and my efforts on is how, what am I going to do today that's going to make my life better? And how is that going to make the people around me happier or affect their lives in a positive way? I
0: remember you talking about these, you know, needs of, uh, I don't know if they were human needs or like. The things that make humans, I guess, function more... Right.
1: So this, this actually... I don't know where it originally comes from, but but uh, Tony Robbins talks about this. I've never done any of his things, but I've seen his movies and his talks and stuff. And I'm pretty sure it comes from all basic basic like Buddhist philosophy, but the, the six essential needs. Um, I don't know exactly how he talks about them, but I think they're really interesting. And so the... I think he says there's like the, the lower and the higher ones, which makes sense, but there's, you need to have certainty, somewhere to eat, something to eat, somewhere to sleep, a little bit of money. Like there, do you, you, want, you want to have those things, shelter, food, warmth. Uncertainty, you don't want the same thing to be every single day or else you go crazy. Mm. Right? We need to have some sort of surprise in our life. You need to have growth, which I think this is one of my driving factors in in most things that I do. I really feel the need that I want to continuously grow. As long as I'm in this body, as long as I have consciousness, as long as I'm moving, I want to feel like I'm growing because dying is death. And I don't deny death, but I'm not ready to move in that direction. You need to have purpose or meaning to your life. So for some... To be here. And this is something that I th- we were talking about. This is like, what's the meaning of life? It's like, what's the meaning of my life and whatever the meaning of my life is, I give to it. So I'm, it's not an easy thing to do, but I have the ability to give my life meaning and purpose and no one else does. And I'm not going to find it outside of myself. And there's no one that could tell me what, what that's supposed to be. So all these things are centered around you, right? Certainty, uncertainty, that's just basics, Growth and meaning and purpose, though for most of us that meaning and purpose usually has to do with someone else, but it doesn't have to. Some people's meaning and purpose is just about making as much money as they can, or actually there's a a huge part of the world where meaning and purpose is completely selfish. But the last two, and this is something that I've, from the solo times, the, the several different solo times that I've done in nature, and where I've been, I, I, when you move away from every, I, I think we, we've done a great job at creating beautiful buildings and art and all this, but there's nothing more beautiful than nature. When we completely step outside of the things that we've built and, and truly immerse ourselves in outer nature, we see beauty in, in a way that is unimaginable. You know, like I, no one could have, I don't think any human could have created that or had like this level of, of imagination to dream up what is just all around us. And so when you're in a place like that and you're witnessing and you're experiencing and you're being a part of nature, the first thing that you want to do is share. Mm-hmm. And the second thing you want to do is, is use it for something. So that the two higher ones is loving connection And contribution and both of these you need other people for and yeah I don't know where we're going with this or where you're trying to go with it but it's like (laughs) it's like those two things like when you really understand how important those are and it's interesting like loving connection could actually be filled by an uh, any mammal like that's if you have a dog or a cat or something like that it's scientifically proven that you could fulfill that that need of loving connection with that because it's it's not that we need to receive love we need to give love to something and and it's interesting when we think about these it's not about we think that these needs are things that we need to have but it's it's not that we have need a need to give to fundamentally feel whole that we are whole but to actually have the sense of feeling wholeness we need to give out. Mm-hmm. And when you understand this, you you realize that life isn't about taking and it's not about get getting from other people. It's about what you can give and when the more that you give, the more you fulfill. That's that's how love is. Love is a self-replicating self-fulfilling gift that Every time you give love, you get more back.
0: Hmm. I'll tell you where I'm going with this. Okay, all (laughs) right, where are you going with it? Um, I feel that you've given so much of not only the system that you use in your daily routines and the breath work and all the different entries into a handstand that we've learned over the past five days, but so much of your genuine... Desire to witness humans grow. And I feel that that deep desire to be able to empower others through the tools and tactics needed to be able to reach their highest state of being is absolutely incredible. And I would say that that is the reason that we connect so well and have a deep sense of camaraderie and friendship and love because your your desire to empower others is so strong. And I wanted to hear a little bit more about what made you decide to, you know, put breath work into the handstand training and put, you know, what is it, myofascial, what, meridian
1: myofascial. sequencing?
0: Yeah, yeah. Give us the details on like why why you chose these different. Because I mean, we had like a two-hour yoga class before we really got Three into three-hour three-hour yoga class one before hours, we even got into one, handstands.
1: One hour of meditation and pranayama. And then three hours of of yoga, which I teach. And some-
0: I think the reason that I thought it was only two hours
1: is because it went by like that. Yeah, like it goes by super fast for me as well. And then um, two hour break and a three hour handstand practice. The the reason why it was like what it was is is really simple. I share my practice, and that's that's it. So whatever I'm doing is what I share. And I've started getting into something. We started with uh, We went through five different meditations through it. Uh, so I do. I usually just share the meditations that I normally practice. I usually only practice one meditation at a time for six or seven months before I switch to another one. Then I usually go back to it. And I'm pretty simple with my meditation. I usually just do Anapanasati, which is just mindfulness of the breath. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I because I really focus on training the mind, trying to see things as they arise, and my thoughts and my stories. And I was someone that always wanted to live in the future because I thought that my life would be better. I never enjoyed my life. And I thought, well, what can I do to be happy? And it wasn't anything in the present. It wasn't until I switched to Understanding that it was really this is the place that I'm going to be happy. And so my meditation is is about understanding that seeing that truth because I think I feel that ultimately the 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 purpose of meditation for me is to understand things as they are this this idea of Vipassana or insight and then um, the pranayama sequence stuff is just something I've been working on. I've been trying to, working with the breath, because I've done a lot of pranayama and I've never really been captured by it, but then I started doing a lot of breath work training where I was training for, like, holding the breath like you would f- as a free diver and, and going through these, like, free diver trainings.
0: What's the benefit of that? I mean, for, <laughs> well, for the listeners who are listening, for, yeah, for I the, felt lifted in my body. It was, like, literally, like, after holding your breath for, I think I did mine for, like, two minutes and 30 seconds, and afterwards, I literally just felt like as soon as I took that breath, like my whole entire body was tingling.
1: This is the most amazing thing about the breath because the breath is a tool. And when we understand how to use that breath, then, we, then we're then we smart with our tools. If we don't understand how to use it, it's like using the tool in the wrong way or the example that I give. It's like trying to saw a piece of wood in half with a screwdriver. They're, they're great tools, but they need to be used for the purpose. And the way I look at breath is both coming from a place of the eastern philosophy through it, which has been studied and practiced for thousands and thousands of years and it works all through the energetic body and really how i look at it is through the gunas so sattva guna which is like the balance and the harmony that exists through nature and then the two other sides of it which is rajas and thomas rajas is the passionate upward growth of energy it's the yeah i would say it's the upward energy the excitement and this is also associated with the sympathetic nervous system or fight or flight response and then you have thomas which is death and decay or everything slowing down moving back to the earth the, the grounding you think thomas is like fall winter rajas is summer spring and sattva is the balance of all the seasons together and so we we need to have all these four life and harmony and the, the Thomas Guna is associated with the parasympathetic nervous system, but we need both. And so we don't want to just be like, there's so much on that. We just need to be in the parasympathetic nervous system. That's that's great. It's where we want to be most of the time, but you also need to know, like if I want to run or I want to do something active or I wake up in the morning, I need energy. I need focus, concentration. There's a lot of value from moving more into this rajasic energy. And so if you, take these, these energies and also understand the relationship with the breath and how the inhales and the scientific part move towards the, the sympathetic nervous system. Every inhale you do goes a little shorter. The exhales move to the parasympathetic nervous system. Every exhale you do, the, breath goes, the, the heart rate goes longer in there. And we, we measure this through something called heart rhythm variability, which is just the difference in milliseconds between each pulse so if you your heart beats 60 times in a minute, it's not beating one pulse per second, it fluctuates and it moves and it actually changes as the breath changes. And this is directly related to the, to the nervous system. Well, it's also directly related to our energies, which we understand in the Guna. So if we're able to take these and move them together and then bring in other science and, and I think about like how we produce nitric oxide, in the body, something that we need to have. It's uh, important for cellular function. It works with vasodilation. It's for memory, concentration, all these things. And if I could take a yoga breath like uh, Brahmari breath, which is humming bee breath, where we basically make an ohm sound, I know that I create about six to nine times more nitric oxide in the nasal sinuses just by breathing through the nose. And then if I do this humming sound, I can increase that about 15 fold, then I could really flood the body. And so that could help me with all kinds of of different things as long as I know what nitric oxide does, these tools. And so I started kind of categorizing all these different breath practices and then also working with ratios of of different breaths. So, if we start holding our breath, this changes our blood pH immediately. We go from having um, being alkaline to acidic. We increase the amount of carbon dioxide in our blood, which increases carbonic acid, which helps to open up all the blood vessels, slow the heart rate, stimulate the the parasympathetic nervous system, helps to regulate our diet so that we crave food that is better. And all these things happen through just simply breathing. And so, If you take multiple different practices like this that all align towards kind of the same goal uh, energetically with the breath and you sequence them together in the same way that you would sequence together a yoga class that starts with a gentle warm-up moves into building heat then you have a dynamic sequence cools down you could take these and put this together and, and really have a positive effect from breathing and and we did five different breath practices all different and the I think the one you're talking about that we did was increase athletic performance where we're increasing our VO2 max, increasing the amount of oxygen that the body could hold, which incre- and then working into long breath holds that increases uh, the amount of red blood cells that we have so it carries more oxygen, and then we also become hypocapnic so that we're able to hold the breath longer, and so all these different things have this profound effect when you stack them together. And that came, I shared that with you guys because it's part of my practice. I'm super passionate about it. And I think it's something that other people would enjoy. And I don't know, like, if you go out to eat and you eat something really good, like, <laughs> I know you because I've been out to eat with you so many times. <laughs> when you're like, this is this is bomb-ass food. Like, you got to try this. You get almost as much enjoyment or more enjoyment when somebody else tries with the thing that you love and I that's what it is about my practice with with my handstand practice and arm balances and all that I love doing it but I get twice as much enjoyment when I see someone else enjoying the things that I love so much Mm
0: -hmm. I really I feel that that is so easily seen in your practice like and so awesome to witness in your teachings man Because, like, the amount of encouragement that you give everyone, there was only 20 students, so it was, like, so intimate that we all had the opportunity to jump into the handstands together, and we literally became, like, a little kula. Like, after eating tonight, even, over at Zest, and we're just all grubbing together, hanging out, trying each other's food, it really just goes to show how, you know, going through these struggles together and really working into those deeper places of practice and really utilizing our breath to come to a deeper sense of knowing ourselves, helps us to become a more strong community. And I really appreciate you for providing the space for that community to blossom. Yogi roll call. Have you ever wondered what holding your phone or your laptop over your reproductive organs is doing to your body? Well, Studies have shown a rapid decline in human fertility since the invention of the cell phones and laptops. And that's why I wear Lamb's Comfy Boxer Briefs that are lined with silver to keep the bad off my goods. Lamb's radiation-proof underwear keeps Wi-Fi and Bluetooth away from my future offspring. And as most of you know, I travel a ton, so radiation is something that I can't avoid, but I can reduce. So that's why I teamed up with Lambs to share 15% off your next purchase by using the discount code A7S at checkout on GetLambs.com. So go to GetLambs.com to protect your precious jewels. Be resilient in action and in deed. Keep your energy high, protect your seed. Now, back to the Yoga Revealed Podcast
1: like I would say, it's, it's not about me. Like I, I, it's really, I feel like it's the other way. I love to be a teacher. I love teaching. And the only way that I have that opportunity at all is when people show up to be, to be a student. And that's, Yeah, you know, I think the, the sign of a, of a, of a teacher is service and humility. And I, My friend Kat and I were having this talk earlier uh, at breakfast. We We were talking about just how Western culture is really towards people that serve your food or wash your car or do your laundry or anything like that. It's like people feel like because you're paying somebody to do it, they're entitled and they just treat them with less respect. But if we look at the people, the greatest leaders that have ever lived, they've all moved from a place of service. And if we all respect the people that take care of us and make our life better, then everyone will be better. And that's that's what I feel like as a teacher. Like I really try to put myself in a place of service and I feel so fortunate that actually where I'm at I get treated the other way Uh, to kind of circle back on the conversation we're having was like my friend Kat teaches in New York and how rude people are just without like any common respect showing up into a class late or playing on their phone during class or whatever and it's just like absolutely no respect for the teacher and how in the East in India or in Asia there's just a there's this beautiful respect for the people that are there to make your life better. And as a teacher, you're a servant there to make other people's lives better. I just happen to be a little bit more fortunate than most people that they actually really feel grateful. And I don't know why that is. Mm-hmm. I'm really happy that it is that way. But uh, if I could say anything to anybody, listen to this. If you are going to yoga class and you are showing absolute respect for the person that's up there teaching and, and sharing their heart with you, Then you don't belong in that place. Not until you could start to do a little introspective and having a little understanding consideration. Uh, If I have one pet peeve in the world, one thing that I'm really working on still, because I'm still doing my own svadhyaya, you know, every day, it's (laughs) it's my problem with inconsiderate people.
0: Yeah i I would definitely agree with you there. I feel like we're living in a very interesting time, to say the least, where a lot of people have become so disconnected from human connection that, you know, the devices, the distractions, and literally the debilitation of human nature is becoming a mass epidemic. And I feel that the good thing about the listeners now are that, you know, the people who are listening to this conversation are probably the ones who are out there teaching, sharing, loving, living, and truly giving their hearts to what they do and so i'm hoping that they're out there you know looking at the person on their phone in class and saying hey like jump in like let's really be present you know so i feel that we're in it together and the more that we can help uplift each other and relate to each other and just be compassionate from that place of knowing that you know they know no better they know no better and so hopefully we can be there to help share uh, a new perspective
1: yeah it's interesting for me, like I don't really, because I come from teaching in LA, and so people show up to class late or leave. Early I, I leave Shavasana. early before shavas, <laughs> or, or roll up their mat halfway through shavas. And I know teachers like, if you're going to leave early, roll up your mat first. Don't leave in the middle, for, like to show some respect. And I do understand that because sometimes it's not a thing of inconsideration; it's the thing that people are trying to get the yoga in wherever they can or try to get to class. And I've always taught that way where, hey, if you show up for the last five minutes of class halfway through Shavasana and then show up, you're welcome. You know, I don't lock the doors. And since I don't teach regular studio classes now, I'm, I I don't have to deal with any of this. I show <laughs> up somewhere and people all come and, the, you know, it's... And they're ready and the, eager to learn. Oh, my God. I don't know how I got so fortunate. I'm really glad... I'm really glad I i am you know like i wouldn't want it any other way
0: well i say it's hard work Uh, just from just from witnessing how deeply you practice and how honestly like just watching you demonstrate all of the things that we were doing in the handstand (laughs) like watching you go from you know the, the child's pose to handstand and doing it in reps and like literally like teaching it from a place of humble nobility, I feel is really why people show up. Because it's not just watching you do it, it's understanding that you're
1: going through it. Yeah. Well, thank you for all the compliments. I'm not <laughs> I'm not very good at taking them, but um, yeah. yeah. Well well I, I wanted to touch
0: on a little bit about, you know, why you're so 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 passionate about teaching the myofascial meridian sequencing and what 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 is it and why is it actually beneficial
1: for yogis? I'm so happy you asked this question. I've been I've been yeah. So I've been studying fascia for quite a few years, and if you don't know what fascia is, it's basically the connective tissue or a type of connective tissue that surrounds the muscles. It separates, it separates and connects everything in the body. It's like your tendons and there's deep fascia, superficial fascia. And it's kind of a complicated thing when you really get down into it. In fact, people are still arguing over exactly what fascia is, but essentially the body is connected. And just like we were talking about, like um, we started as one cell, we're not parts. We're not we're not a machine. When you build something, you take a bunch of parts and put it together. We're not parts. We came from one thing and we grew from that one thing. And so everything in the body is connected from one thing. You know, it's the, the muscles aren't separated. We cut the muscles up and just said this is a bicep and this is a tricep and this is a deltoid and you know and said that they're different, but everything is connected. And everything is connected and held together and apart in a system of compression and tension in a perfect balance of harmony I, I i sometimes when i talk with other yoga teachers they i get them a little confused when i start telling them that there's no such thing as alignment in a yoga pose
0: yeah when i heard you say that i was like what like what do you mean i, I could have sworn on warrior two your knee's supposed to be over your ankle
1: yeah there i mean there's <laughs> There's maps, right? So we look at warrior two and there's kind of a map of what warrior two should be. But when you, why I say there's no alignment, because when you think about what alignment is and alignment means to be in balance and harmony, when you're aligned, you're balanced and in harmony and shavasana, that pose has alignment. That's your, your natural resting tension. So every muscle in your body naturally holds tension. As long as you're alive, it, the nervous system holds some sort of tension together. You never fully relax anything. And then you engage and then you stretch something else. And so it's holding this tension. And if you move in the same way over and over and over, you're going to change how that tension is. So if you just did warrior two on the left side every single day for an hour a day, you're going to come up with a lot of imbalances. And a lot of people have imbalances in their posture. They walk different or we all just actually have imbalances because the majority of us do something with like our I eat and write with my right hand. I actually spent one year where I decided to be left handed just to kind of balance things out. But still something like that won't add balance. Like we we need to work through the tension system. find balance and so the yoga poses the alignment that we use for the yoga poses is essentially to come back to balance but if i take one posture like warrior two it doesn't mean anything out of context if you and i have a conversation and then i take out just two or three words of what was said it has no meaning. It doesn't. It, there's you can't understand it because there's not a context to put it around. Mm-hmm. You even if I put it
0: in a sentence, you got to yeah, put a period at the end.
1: Even if I took one sentence away, like that sentence might have some meaning, but it's going to have a greater meaning inside of a paragraph, which inside of a book or whatever. When you the more that you understand what that's a part of, the more that it means. You, the way that I, I approach yoga and the way that I approach sequence is is I don't want to pull any one posture out from the other ones. All the postures work together. And it's, I use this thing called myofascial meridians or as Tom Myers calls them, anatomy trains. So Tom Myers, if you don't know him, he's an amazing teacher, anatomist. He's a body mover, body worker. Really the book out there that he wrote that everyone's goo goo over is called Anatomy Trains. And so he basically created a, a map of the tensions of the body. Or how the muscles and tendons are connected in series. Well, everything in the body is connected, but that doesn't do us any good, right? The, the, there's, there's, you know, that's like saying all the roads are connected, but how do I get from A to B, right? I need to, I need to know in Google Maps, right? Google <laughs> and Google Maps is going to give me a route that says from A to B is like this. Well, that's that's how it is, and I think there's something like 12, 12 cardinal myofascial meridians and so through these these different myofascial meridians superficial front line superficial back line lateral line arm lines functional lines deep front line and so each one of these works in a line of tension and and it pulls like if for an an easy example would be like the superficial back line which basically connects the front of your forehead all the way down the back side of the body to the soles of your feet you have your frontal bone epicranial fascia your the um, spleen capitis muscles erector spinae thoracolumbar fascia moves down to your sacrotuberous ligaments ischial tuberosity into your hamstrings or really bicep femoris and moves down to the gastrocnemius and the calcaneal tendon calcaneus plantar fascia right so that's one <laughs> you get tested on this i oops. <laughs> if you if you ever want to go take my teacher training i make my my students memorize every one of them but also because I put my classes together working off of the Myoflash Meridians, I, I really know them quite well because it means something to me. And so if I sequence a class, I'm looking at, well, two things. One thing that I'm working along Myoflash Meridians that create balance. So they're either... They're either antagonistic, like the superficial front line and the back line, meaning they both pull at each other. So if I have an imbalance in the superficial back line, my posture is going to be all whacked and my shoulders are going to be pulled back and my belly's going to stick out and I'm going to have hyperlordosis. Or if it's the other way, I'm going to, my superficial front line, I'm going to have hunched back, my shoulders are going to be pulled forward. So to have a healthy posture, we need to have a balance between these opposite lines. Or if we're talking like lateral line or spiral line, they have two lines that actually balance themselves. And then there's also synergistic lines that work together like lateral line and spiral line that work along the same muscles but a different, different lines of tension. Uh, or so different directions of movement. If I twist, it's my obliques. Or if I side vent, it's my obliques. And they're working differently. The One, they're either working contralaterally, ipsilaterally, depending on what line I'm putting together. Mm-hmm. So it, it basically, that's the first map of tension. So that tells me what I'm going to do in a posture. If I'm doing a spiral line, spiral lines is not just twist. It moves down the IT band, to be also anterior, it goes underneath, it moves up your fibularis longus, and it creates like a double spiral around the entire body, which is included in the legs. And I think something that's really important to understand is that tension in one part of the body is a global problem. And so if we have tension or release tension, something in, in one place, it affects everything. And I don't know if you've ever tried to put a lacrosse ball underneath the sole of your foot and roll it out for a little bit and see the difference of the flexibility between your left leg and your right leg just by affecting your plantar fascia yeah. because it's a tension system. And so we need to relieve that. And so that's kind of one of the things that we're just working along these lines of tension. And then I take it a, a little bit farther as I move through the different properties of of the fascia. So fascia has has its own unique, innate properties of plasticity, which is just stretching, essentially changing the length of something. Elasticity, which is stiffness, how something returns back. We have viscoelasticity, which is a little bit harder to understand. This is non um Non-time or time-dependent non-linear deformation. So basically, as the diff rate or how like how fast you stretch something, or how slow, and also how much force affects what happens to the tissue. So you have fast rates. Uh, if like uh, take silly putty, if you take silly putty and you pull it apart real quick, it breaks. Mm-hmm. Or if I pull it really slow, it stretches. Well, the fascia does the same thing throughout the body because we have all the, this the ground substance is part of the fascia which are colloids and emulsions of glycoaminoglycans and polymucosal saccharides and these and um, chondroitin and uh hyaluronin, which are things that attract water to it and so it has these these fluid dynamics are actually non-newtonian fluid dynamics that change over the rate and so we could actually use these properties if i move in and out of a stretch and it's all time dependent so if i stretch something slowly between 15 or actually really after about a second or so to about 30 seconds in there, I'm moving through the slower viscoelasticity. If I move close to a minute, now I'm moving into plasticity. If I'm around one second, now I'm in elasticity. Uh, If I'm less, if I'm like instantaneous, now I'm moving into fast viscoelasticity. So I use these different properties to... Create balance into the body, and then you take things like increasing glide, which is how the muscles slide across each other. When they stop sliding, they create conglomerations. They start to stick together. It's like you wake up in the morning, you feel all stiff. You do a little bit of movement, you don't feel so stiff. Well, if we start stretching and moving, we we have to get everything to slide across each other first before we can move in those into those deeper movements. We're actually affecting the tissues and plasticity, and then of course. You know I also incorporate the different neuromuscular activation and and mobility and stuff and
0: I wanted to talk a little bit about you
1: know, <laughs> yeah when, let's when it's, when, it's <laughs> good it, it, it starts there, there's I would love to to like just tell everybody everything about what this is in in the simple way to explain it is it's a way to sequence a class that when you're done you feel balanced and and that's really that's that's the whole thing it's just a system to understand balance so that you leave a yoga class feeling better than when you started
0: and one thing that i would honestly say is like not only did i feel better than when i started but afterwards i felt there was a deep sense of fluidity in my body and I do a lot of like ecstatic dance and like I love it here in Bali because, you know, I can get my dance on and, you know, just like jump in a pool right after. And it's like there's so much fluidity here with the humidity and the the good vibes and all that. But like to go to a yoga class and to really feel fluidity these days is rare for me, Um, simply because not only is it just like, you know, the, the types of classes that I go to um, that are kind of like very linear, a lot of Hatha Mm -hmm. classes. I love like Jerome Mercier. He's super awesome when it comes to Hatha yoga. Um, but I love
1: Jerome too. He's a, he's a OG teacher. Oh,
0: such an incredible teacher. But like, you know, even like the foot movements that we're doing where we're pronating and supinating and like doing all these different, uh, eversion and like, I, I never do that in yoga. And to do it inside of an ardha hanumanasana, and to feel literally all the ligaments and tendons alongside my ankle open up and literally have these little crack popples and snaps that I've never heard before, I was like, my foot is moving like it's never moved before.
1: That's, um, so that's because it's a line of tension. One of the things that I, I work in is, is tuning. And also why I think it's important to understand that Warrior 2 doesn't actually have alignment. It's just a tool to do something. You know, it's a tool that works for the functional line and the deep front line to open up into the hips and stuff. But you could change it like in the spiral line. If you, I don't know if you remember how we did warrior two and then we did yeah. like the twist in warrior two. So warrior two is a, a tool. But if I am able to tune it a little bit, just like tuning a guitar. So a guitar string has tension. If I tune, if I turn the the key, the machine head at the top, it changes the pitch of the note, and I can tune it so it's in tune. So we're able to do that with the body by moving, like you're saying, like with the foot. And then to uh, eversion, inversions, uh, plantar flexion, dorsiflexion, we start to to actually create tension in different ways. And it's by strengthening or loosening the different parts of the body that we find balance because we need to have both. We need to have both strength and flexibility. And then also working through differential movement. We have to have stability to move from. And so when you start to understand these concepts, you get away from like, okay, warrior two needs to look like this. It's a great pose because it all tells us you know i know where i'm going but then once we get there that's not the end all like now how can i use this for something more Mm -hmm. how can i how can i actually do this to i understand how the muscles and the tendons and the ligaments are all connected together and i have this idea that i'm going through where i want to balance the left side with the right side on a holistic level not just in the hips but through the entire body or, or whatever so yeah so basically i i use these maps the, which they're the anatomy trains to tune these different parts. And so I think when you start doing that, another thing happens too is it, for me, it's a very much of an intellectual experience. Like i I'm, I'm geeking out. Yeah, I, I'm going through each thing as I'm planning the class and putting it together. And it does take me a few hours to put together a three hour masterclass. It's not something that I could just easily do. But then when you bring it out there and you deliver it to the students, they're not thinking about all the different muscles or why you're put it, putting it together. They're having a somatic experience. Mm. They're, they're feeling it in their body, and you're telling them what to feel because you, because you understand it. So turn your foot this way. This is where you're going to feel it. And if you don't, move it to the way that, that you do. And, and something that I, I try to convey to all my, my new teachers that move through my teacher training is, as different as we look on the outside, we equally look different on the inside. That means that not everything that you tell a student is going to be felt the same way in everybody. In fact, everything that you tell a student is going to be felt different in everybody, it's just a map. Right, and there's different ways around it, and so there's different
0: ways to get from point A to point B.
1: Yeah, hundred, which actually is is what makes yoga fun and exciting. Mm -hmm. You know, that's that's what I geek out about. That's what I love is like, how do I get from point A to point B in the most unique, creative, fun, and at the same time, leave the person feeling balanced and feeling amazing and able to move out of their head and into their heart and into their body, because ultimately. You know, I love the movement part, but it's only one part of it. What draws me to yoga is yoga is, is an understanding that everything is connected. The mind, I, I think I wrote it in, a, in actually a sponsor quote, the mind moves the body. the body moves the mind and, the, and those two things happen together. I think uh, today you know, we did uh, we did deep front line, which is really into inner hips and stuff and functional line which is in the outer hips. And a lot of people were just, a lot of people were just kind of crying at the end of it. And we think, okay, so if I go and I do a hip opening class, it releases my emotions. But a lot of times it's the emotions, you release your emotions and it releases the hips. Like those, those A doesn't come before B in this, you know, they, those two things happen together. And so if you bring that together, you, you start to actually have this 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 full yogic experience so it's Mm -hmm. does it's not i mean even though like i get so geeky and dorked out about all the anatomy stuff in it i i'd never try to lose what the true purpose is which is to experience Mm -hmm. fully holistically
0: and with that being said what are three things that the yogis listening can do to deepen their experience of their practice today?
1: The first thing is to feel into your body. So if you're doing a physical practice, when you do something, notice the, that uh, what affects different parts of the body. If, even if you just take look at your hand and you start to make a fist open and close it, you look up the arm and you see how that affects and how the different muscles and veins and tendons and all that move underneath the skin, and you follow that up and you could see how how one thing that you do in the body has a global effect. The second thing is understand that the actions that you do emotionally are the same way. And so that if you have an emotion or something towards somebody, or even if it's like something simple that you don't think is something, but how you might talk to the person that got your coffee order wrong, Right how that one little thing actually also has a global effect on how you treat the other people that maybe you care about more. And so how those things move along. And I think we were talking about this yesterday about how you drop the, the, the rock in the pond and it creates a ripple effect outwards. The word karma means action. And for every action there there is A reaction or an effect to it so I think those let's just give two practices those two practices (laughs) feel what feel the 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 smallest little thing in the body and understand how that has a global effect through the body and how the smallest little emotion that you have has an effect globally through everything else
0: wow that was beautiful And since you didn't give me three answers, I have another question for you that I want three answers to. Okay. So, what would be some words of advice that you would give to beginner practitioners, intermediate practitioners, and advanced practitioners?
1: First of all, there's no such thing as an advanced yogi. There's only a yogi. Really? Yeah. Well, I mean, yogi... (laughs) Come on. (laughs) The, the, The word yoga means connection or, or unity. And the second that you start to divide those things up, the like second you draw a line in the sand and say, this is a beginner, this is advanced, so you created separation. It's against the very nature that yoga is 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 moving towards. Uh, but there is a there is something for being someone that's new to the practice, someone has been practicing for a little bit, and it's someone who's been deep in the practice. Just understand that there's there's only yoga, there's no separation from it. Uh, Someone that's beginning in the practice, show up. I think that's true for anything when you're new. You just show up. And Someone that's been in the practice for a little while, whatever you're doing, give your whole heart to it. Without worrying about the results, because there's something that happens after you've been doing it for a little bit that you think that you should be somewhere else, and so you're wanting more. And there's never more than what you have. The only thing that you could do in the now is is practice with your whole heart and and give everything to it. Really, your best is just what you could do right now. And somebody that has been practicing for a while be the light to others show them what this path is really about by being an example that you know that whole like namaste motherfucker or whatever like that's that kind of stuff t- does does bother me. I try to lead by example uh, and show that I I have a better life because of yoga and Really, and that's not saying because I have a great job and I get to travel everywhere and all this, and which I do. I do have a great light because of of yoga, but yoga has made my life better because I no longer want to be someone else. And that was never me my entire life. And Mm -hmm. so if you could just be the light, the word enlightenment means... To shine light upon. The word guru means remover of darkness. We're just all trying to see in the dark, you know, so be the one that carries the candle.
0: Hmm. Well, that was an absolutely awesome way to drop a nice big stone, (laughs) beautiful crystal into the ocean that is the world today. And I really, really appreciate your time, your wisdom, your dedication to svadhyaya and most importantly, your dedication to living light and shining bright.
1: Oh, I appreciate you for being such a shiny mirror and bringing the light out in everybody.
0: Only a reflection. <laughs> yeah, <laughs>
1: but what you reflect is the beauty in other people. So thank you. Thank you for being a good friend my brother.
0: Thank you, Dylan. Blessings and namaste. Namaste. Thank you for tuning into the Yoga Reveal podcast and being part of this growing, thriving community. Share these episodes with people who you love and want to see shine. Be sure to check out Dylan on Instagram.